to the end, the conclusion of our series in the Minor Prophets. We uh, are going to be in the book of Zephaniah this morning, and you can turn there if you'd like. It's, there's no shame, as I've mentioned previously, there's no shame in going to the table of contents and finding the pages for Zephaniah. If you're in a pew Bible, it's page 788. If you're looking, flipping through your Bible, uh, you can, can find it between Habakkuk and Haggai. If you can find Habakkuk and Haggai, that is. We've been looking at the Minor Prophets, and I've said this every week, but we look at the Minor Prophets because all of Scripture, all of Scripture points to Jesus. All of Scripture points to Jesus. Even these little books that we have to look at the table of contents to find their three chapters, even those books point to Jesus. And the prophets remind us, the minor prophets especially, remind us that there is a flicker of light. There is a flicker of hope. There is this this small flicker, this small ray of hope that the darkness that we have seen and know is about to come to an end. There's a glimmer of hope. And so we look at the minor prophets They're waiting. They're looking out. As I mentioned last week, the minor prophets look out and they see on the horizon, way off in the distance, they see the fulfillment of these prophecies. They see that there is a Messiah to come. They see that there is a king of kings. They see that there is a new Jerusalem and there is a new world. And they see them way off in the distance. What they can't see is that there's multiple summits. There's multiple mountains off in the distance. They see one mountain range, but they don't see the number of summits. And so today we celebrate one of those summits, one of those peaks. God did, in fact, send a Messiah. God did, in fact, send his son, and so we celebrate that this morning. But it's not the completion of all of these prophecies. It isn't the new Jerusalem It isn't the new kingdom. It isn't the new heaven and earth that we thought the prophets were prophesying about, that they thought they had seen. There's another peak yet to come, and we right now are in the valley between those summits. This is the principle of the now and the not yet of our spiritual life. We've seen the first part. We've met the judge. We know We know who he is, but the day of the Lord that we've been talking about, it's still yet to come. We've we've met the king of kings, but the political tensions and pressures throughout the world are still seen every day. We're aware of the perfect and holy Messiah sent by God to redeem his people, but we also know the root of sin that's inside of us still to this day. We've been to the first peak in that mountain stage, but now we're in the valley between the summits, and we wait like the prophets waited. Zephaniah is in the line of prophets in the list of the chronological order of the prophets. He's in the very, very middle. We looked at a couple of prophets, Amos and Micah. They were, were before, they were early on. They were some of the very first prophets. They, they prophesied to the, to the ten northern tribes, telling them about the Assyrians that were to come. 
They were early. We talked about Zechariah and, and Malachi. They came at the very end. They came after, after the, the, the nation of Judah had been destroyed by the Babylonians and had been marched off into exile. And then they were able to come back. They began to rebuild Jerusalem. And Zechariah and Malachi were during that time frame. Zephaniah falls right in the middle of that whole list. Zephaniah comes about a hundred years after the Assyrians have destroyed the northern kingdoms and have come in and destroyed those northern ones, the Israelites. But he comes 150 years before the Babylonians come. So he's right in the middle of all of these prophets. Zephaniah is a prophet during the time and reign of King Josiah. You might know the story of King Josiah. It comes from 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23. King Josiah was a young, young king. And during his time, they were doing some remodeling in the temple. They found the book of the law during that remodel, and they began to read it. And Josiah had never heard or understood what the book of the law was about. And so they begin to read it to him, and he, and he tears his clothes. He's broken by, by what has happened in his country. And so a, a, a bit of a revival starts because of King Josiah and because of this book of the law that's been found. And the revival does, in fact, start, but, but people, the, the, the people of the country, are so far down the idolatry road that there's still a place for Zephaniah to prophesy about what's to come. And so Zephaniah, the prophet, comes and he brings some dark, dark, drastic judgments on the people. He starts right away, if you're at the beginning of the book, he starts right away in verse two of chapter one. Zephaniah gives his biography there, says he's during the days of Josiah, the king of Judah, and then he begins his prophecy by saying, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. That's a drastic judgment. That's a drastic judgment. He goes on, just skip down a little bit to verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7. Zephaniah says, be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. He says, you do not want the day of the Lord. That's what all these prophets have been saying. He says, be silent. The day of the Lord is coming, and on that day it is not good. Let's look. Verse 8, he says, on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, he's going to punish officials and king's son. On verse 9, he says, on that day I'm going to punish everyone who leaps over the threshold. On verse 10, he says, on that day a cry is going to be heard, a loud crash. And then he goes on, look at verse 14 of chapter 1. He says, the great day of the Lord is near. Near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day. A day of distress and anguish. A day of ruin and devastation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. In verse 17, he says, I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. God hates sin. 
He hates sin. And we want, to, we want to run from this idea of wrath and darkness and gloom and all of the things that we're looking at here in Zephaniah. We hate that. We, we shy away from that. We want to run from it. But God hates our sin. And there will be wrath and judgment poured out against sin. Our sin is an affront to God. And the reason that this day, the reason that this Christmas day, the reason that this first summit in the mountaintop is so great is because God not only hates sin, but he has a plan for that sin. We see that in chapter 3 of Zephaniah. It begins to turn, it's, it's, as you continue to read in chapter 1 and chapter 2, even the first part of chapter 3, there is darkness, there is gloom, there is wrath, there is hard things. But it begins to turn in chapter 3. Look at verse 8 of chapter 3. It says, Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up and seize the prey. My decision is to gather nations and to assemble kingdoms to pour out on them my indignation with all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. And then he says, for at that time, in verse 9, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. Wait for me, he says. Wait for me, because in that time... On that day, that judgment day, I will change the speech, he says, of the prophets. I will do it. God begins the work in his people. That's what we find in Zephaniah chapter 3. God begins the work in his people. He grabs a hold of our hearts. He, he opens our eyes. He opens our ears so that we might hear. He moves our tongues to call upon the name of the Lord. God begins the work. And on that day, it says in verse 11, on that day you shall not be put to shame. You have hope because God has begun a work in his people. And then we come to the glorious promise at the close of Zephaniah. He says in verse 14, let's read from 14 to the end together. It'll be on the screen. It's on page 790 if you're looking in your pew Bible. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors 
And I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. God begins a work in us. He moves our lips so that we might call upon the name of the Lord so that we will not be put to shame, Zephaniah says. And the result of that we find here in verse 14. The result of that is that we sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, that we shout, O Israel, we rejoice and exalt with all of our heart. We sing and shout and rejoice and exalt. We cannot be silent. We cannot keep it to ourselves. It overflows out of us in singing and shouting and exalting and rejoicing. There are all kinds of times and places in our life where we can be overwhelmed by emotion. Music, I think, tends to do that to us often. You have a song that you hear and it reminds you of something. It brings a, a tear to your eye maybe or it, or it speeds up your heart and begins to make it race as you think about the positive things that that song reminds you of. There are moments in, in songs where you get so caught up in them that you, that you have to sing or hum along with it. And you've, you've seen that experience. You, you, know, you know what I mean when you, when you hear that music begin to start. And you, and you know you're going to get caught up in it. I, I, there's, I oftentimes go to local basketball games. And there, there's an arena that you can go to and oftentimes hear Sweet Caroline. And everyone in the whole arena sings right along with it. You hear it, you know it, it wells up inside you, and you can't keep it quiet. Everybody says, sweet Caroline. See? And we all have those songs, and they're not all, they're not all sweet Caroline. But we all have those songs. We have those moments, you, you, especially when you're, you're, you're in the car alone and the radio's on, you're listening to it, you're singing out loud, you're waving your arms sometimes. For me, for me I, I think I've shared this before, but for, for me, I, don't, I, don't, I listen to lots of podcasts and, and those kinds of things, audiobooks, but when I mow the grass, I oftentimes will switch over to, to music and, and I think, because I have headphones on and the mower's really loud that nobody can see me. <laughs> but there are moments, right? As the songs begin to play that I'm singing and, and sometimes <laughs> I'm waving my arms. Sometimes it's to praise and worship music. Sometimes it's to Broadway musical soundtracks. But whatever the case... There are moments in those songs where the crescendo leads to an overflow of your heart and you can't escape from it. That's what Zephaniah is talking about here in verse 14. That we are so moved that we cannot stop 
an overflow of our heart that we dive in and we sing and we shout and we rejoice and we exalt. Why do we do that? He says in verse 15. We do it because the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has, declared, he has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. We rejoice because we have hope. The judgments have been cleared away. The enemies have been taken out. We no longer have our sin counted against us. We have hope because of the Savior, because the King is with us and in the midst of us. We don't fear because we're with him. He goes on in verse 16. He says, fear not, O Zion, let, your, let not your hands grow weak. It's another reminder. We've talked about this often in the series too, but it's another reminder for us that in the end, when, when Jesus comes, when he makes a new heaven and a new earth, when everything is made right, when sin has been cleared away and all of our enemies are cleared away, there still will be work, except our hands will not grow weary. That there still is going to be a harvest. We talked about that one week. The, plowsha- the, the, the swords get beat into plowshares. That heaven is going to look like the harvester meets the one that plows and sows the seed. We rejoice, we sing, we shout, we exalt. But the true hope that comes in this passage is not verse 14. It's not what we do, but it comes in verse 17. We sing, we shout, we rejoice, we're saved. The king has come, he is with us. But in verse 17, it tells us about a different singing. In verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Do you see that picture? He rejoices over us. He quietly sings over us. He exalts over us. He sings to us. Our God, the mighty one who saves. Our God, the one who loves us so much that he rejoices and quiets and sings and exalts over us. That's a picture that we know of a parent holding a child and softly singing over them. We know that picture. And Zephaniah says that is what God does for us. We sing and rejoice and exalt and shout to him, and he does the same over us. He loves us. Scripture tells that to us all over. God loves us. He so loved the world that he sent his only son. God shows his love for us. And this, while we were still sinners, that son, Christ Jesus, died for us. We know love because God first loved us. He loves us. 
and sings over us and cares for us and exalts over us. And Zephaniah ends by telling us what God is going to do. He sings over us, rejoices over us, exalts over us, and then he says, I will do, he says it, he says it six times in verses 18 through 20. I will gather those of you who mourn. I will deal with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. I will change their shame to praise. I will bring you in. I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. We're in this now and not yet. We're in this valley between the two summits. We know the Messiah. It's Jesus. We've seen God's plan to sacrifice his son. We know the judgment that should be put on us, but instead was born by him. It's by his wounds and stripes that we are healed We know what has come in the past, and so we look forward with anticipation to what is coming in the future. We wait in anticipation for that day, as Zephaniah says, when the Lord our God, who is mighty to save, is once again in our midst, when he will rejoice over us when he will quiet us with his love, when he will exalt over us with his loud singing, we look forward to that day in hope. And until then, until that day, we're going to sing aloud, we're going to shout, we're going to rejoice, and we are going to exalt with all of our heart in the name of Jesus. And so this morning... I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And we're going to sing, again, several songs here, proclaiming the hope that we have through the birth of our Savior, rejoicing along with the voices of the angels, as we sang already this morning, singing, shouting, exalting, and rejoicing in the hope that we have in Jesus. So stand if you're able And we're going to worship together this morning.
Joy, let us sing for joy to the 
let Zephaniah give us the benediction this morning. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming this morning.